Hello and welcome back to the second of our two summer 1980s specials. We're moving on a few years from Bob Scott's time at Crew, and that means we are into the realms of one of our regular panellists. Time from watching the Alex, that is Steve Hatton. Hi, Steve. Hi, you Stu. I'm all good, thank you. Um, Steve, you're going to be doing the majority of the presenting on this one, I believe. Yeah, I'm feeling the pressure a little bit, Stuart. You've left a, a good mark this season. I feel I've got some big shoes I've got to step into. Um, I'm going to let you introduce the three ex-crew players in a second. Uh, before I do that, though, I'm going to point out that we are, as ever, joined by producer Dave. Hi, Dave. Good evening. Now, same as the Bob Scott podcast, you're going to be jumping in, I believe, along the way with some questions and comments today. Yeah, I'm old enough to remember the 80-89 season as well. So, uh, yeah, I've got a few little things to chip in. Okay, Steve, um, you've described the people we have on our call today as some of your first ever heroes. So, with that introduction, I'm going to hand you over to introduce them. Cheers, Stuart. Thank you. Absolutely delighted. One of my most favourite seasons ever. I was an impressionable 15-year-old. And as far as I'm concerned, every member of this team is an absolute hero. But obviously, we can only get three of them on. So, we've got um, promotion-winning skipper Aaron Callahan. We've got top scorer Paul Fishenden. And I'm afraid, Wayne, I haven't got an introduction for you, so I'll just call you longest-serving player at that time, uh, <laughs> right back, Wayne Goodison. Evening, fellas. How you doing? Evening, all, lads. Um, I just thought we'd start at the beginning and have a little bit of context to that season um, and how people got there. And I thought we'd start with Wayne, because you, I think, joined in about 1986. Yeah. Um, so how come you came to uh, sign for the Alex at that time? I came on loan initially, uh, came for a month on loan from Barnsley, um, really enjoyed the month I had and then I went back and about a week later, um, Darryl asked me if I'd go back again, they were okay with me going, so I came back for a second month and then at the end of that, towards the end of that, that month, um, he sat me down and said, would I like to stay and at that time, you know, I mean, these guys weren't there but see, David was there, Jeff, we had a really good sort of bunch of players. I really enjoyed the football. Um, truth was, if I was going back to Barnsley, I wasn't going to play. Pretty much knew that. Um, so I decided that I wanted to stay and uh, that was it, really. Okay. Uh, Fish, I think you um, you joined partway through the previous season, from what I remember. Um, how did that come about? Um, I'd had um, a back operation at Wimbledon. And uh, again, I think Bobby Gould had just taken over and made it clear that I wasn't um, going to be part of his plans. Um, Dario, I'd known since I was probably 12. Uh, he was a coach at Chelsea um, when I was there as a schoolboy. And when he went off to Wimbledon to manage the first team, uh, I then signed as an apprentice for, for Wimbledon. So he'd, he'd always, uh, he knew me well. He always kept tabs on me. He'd tried to get me up to crew years previous. Uh, so when his offer came along, I, I was uh, I was more than happy to come and um, to come and give it a go. And I think I had about a, maybe the last two or three months of the season previous, where um, 
Wayne Atelier. He looked after me. <laughs> we was we was in um, we was in digs in um, I can't remember the name of the road. Middleston Road. Middleston Road. School. Middleston oh. Road. And there was about four four or five of us in there. Yeah. And um, it was great. You know the pl the place was uh, not the best. Put it that way, but um, I had a great time. And again, when uh, when I went back to Wimbledon for that uh, that um, summer, um, Dario had made it clear that he wanted me to stay. And again, I was more than happy to. Um, I think I signed for a couple of years, two or three years. I think. Uh, Aaron, I think you you were signed at the start of the promotion season, and I think amazingly, the Alex paid about fifteen thousand pounds for you, and not not amazingly because he paid for you, but because he paid for anybody. Um, <laughs> but it's I don't believe it was your first time with Crew, was it? I think you've been there earlier. Yeah, I think that initial fifteen grand is still being paid today. I think direct debit payments <laughs> fifty pounds a week or something like that. Now, Dario, the way he used to operate, like yeah, I, I would have been. Uh, I went on loan. Uh, when I was at Stoke, um, made me debut in the league actually at four crew. Um, I think it was 86, something like that, 86, 85, 86, when I went over. And um, it was brilliant for me because it was only half an hour up the road from where I was staying in Stoke. At that stage, we were playing in the reserve league at Stoke, and uh, I felt that I was close to a breakthrough in relation to getting in at Stoke. And I was advised, I was told by the manager at Stoke at the time, uh, Richie Barker, who said, Look, if you go up there, it'll toughen you up. It'll give you, you know, make a man of you. You'll be playing in a really tough league with some good players. And uh, that's what I did. And, you know, I, I'll never forget it. It was actually, in the end, I'd done three months and it was the best three months uh, that I had in a long time, particularly, you know, playing first team football in front of a crowd. And, um, and you know, Dario obviously kept in touch with me after that. And how, how did the uh, the second move come around when they paid for you? Was that a um, similar sort of thing? Uh, I would have been at Oldham then and uh, I was having a bit of trouble playing on the plastic pitch. I'd had a couple of ankle injuries and the pitch was really beginning to tell on me at that stage and I needed to get out of the club and I had a good chat with Joe Royal. Um, and obviously when your name goes up on the list as managers looking out and I, you know, within two days, Dario gave me a rang, uh, gave me, uh, rang me up and uh, just explained to me that he was bringing in, I think we, we brought in eight, if I can remember, we brought in eight that year, seven or eight anyway. Yeah. And he said that he was looking to restructure, rebuild, and that um, he had a you know different philosophy of how he wanted the game to be played. So um, I went down and had a chat with him. And it was actually the same year, Sion. I actually got married that year. I got married in the June. And uh, I wanted to get things tied up prior to coming back to, um, to from my wedding. So we just about got in in time, signed the contract, and I went back and really enjoyed the wedding, I have to say, before we went back for pre-season. So that's how I went in the second time. I think it's fair to say that the previous season, um, Wayne and Fish, that it was a kind of mid-table finish, a bit inconsistent, a few, few decent results against some of the better teams. Um, and I think this promotion kind of came out of the blue to a lot of people. Were there any signs to you at the start of the season that this was going to be a very, very different season to what had gone before? I think I think from my point of view, from from first season and then the second season, I was there, like I say, it was a bit of a mid-table finish. But um, I think there was things that, that Dario was sort of doing with the team that you could see there was a bit of a change. And, and I remember having a conversation with him, actually, um, and he's saying how he wanted to kind of have a bit of a... He never said, you know, push for promotion the year after, but sort of said that he, he fancied that we could do well the year after. 
Um, even though we were, like I say, I think, I don't know where we finished, and I know we, we sort of petered out a little bit towards the end of that season as well. Um, but it obviously, it got fishing. And, and I think I think when, when he came in, we looked at that and thought, well, he's coming in from a, a higher division. And if that's going to be the, the sort of track of where we're going to go, then maybe. But yeah, I wouldn't have said to, at the end of that season that I personally thought, well, next year we'll challenge. But I just thought, well, we'll, we'll do better again next year. Because if you remember the, the first season I was there, it was the year that they had the first uh, relegation. And, and we were never really in any danger, but we sort of hovered down the bottom end for a while, didn't we? So then really the second season that I was there, you would say mid-table was an improvement. So over those three seasons, we, we did improve. I think like like Aaron's mentioned, there were so many new players. I've got mm-hmm. Andy Sussex, Dale Jasper, Mark Gardner, Aaron, Kenny Swain. Um, were Fish, were either you or, or uh, Way maybe surprised by the amount and, and quality of players that Dario managed to, to bring in? Um, no, I, I wasn't surprised. He was always pretty good at spotting um, talent, wasn't he? Let's be fair. So, uh, no, I wasn't surprised. I was surprised. Um, well, I, I had no expectation of uh, getting promotion. I can say that quite honestly from the start of the season. Um, but like Wayne said, you could see um, Dario had this pattern, this this idea of how he want, wanted to play. And I think pretty pretty quickly we could see things were coming together um, and he had to, he had some good lads you know we had Swaney when he came in and um, Mark Gardner really hit the ground running if I remember rightly Andy and Dale as well um, you know we had a good little southern uh, click which went, which went well with the northern lads it, it, it really did give us um sort of a bit of team spirit and everyone really got on. And that was one thing that was evident for me pretty early on, that the team the team spirit and the bonding of the lads, we all got on really well because it's difficult when you bring such a, a big number of players in, whether they'd all gel and whether they'd all get on. Well, I think pretty pretty quickly we did. And that, um, that really helped, really did. I think if you careful team nights out, probably helped that, didn't it? <laughs> quiet, quiet nights in Netflix. Yeah, I'd add to that as well because uh, because a lot of girlfriends and the wives were coming up as well. They they actually got on very well as well, and they started going to watch a lot of matches. They became friendly, and then it became a bit you know a bigger family, particularly um, when the wives and the girlfriends started coming to the matches as well. And once they knew each other, it made life easier for us on the pitch. And I think you all mentioned about um, maybe the style of football. And one thing that I remember was, out of the blue, that season, we started playing out from the back. So Dean Grey Goose would roll it out, and I'd never seen anything like it in Division 4 before. And it, it's a bit like a kind of watered-down version of how people play today. And there was not big kicks. It was rolling it out to the centre-halves, playing it into Jasper midfield. Did, how did Dario break that to you? Was that his plan? Did he, did he announce it to you all? Well, he did to me when, when he was signing me. He said that he had studied the game and he he used to fly in and out of Italy, I think, a lot and talk to one of the coaches from various clubs over there. And I, that year I was actually doing my own FA licence. I was doing that licence. So I was intrigued to find out what was in his head because um, when you're doing a coaching badges, you always want to find out a little bit more. Like, and, and he explained to me that he was, I think we would have been one of the first teams to play three at the back. If, mm. if, you know, and, and it was like, as you say, an evolution in in football terms at that time and we 
I think he deliberately went after players who could play, could play out. Um, I think that was one of his ethos when, when he was talking about it. But I just don't know how. I, I think he made Dean Gregors get his haircut, believe it or not, because he used to, he, the first time I've seen Dean, he had a big mad shaggy hairdo. <laughs> and, and the next time I've seen him, he came in with a crew cut. Yeah, he did. Yeah. That was enabling to see, obviously, the fairness that were in front of him. So it was, uh, he definitely explained to him. I knew there was something, I knew there was something going on at that stage because he'd spent that summer or he spent large parts of that summer abroad studying the game. And, uh, you know, he, he knew, I, I suppose he chose his players very well, players who were comfortable in possession on the ball, um, and players who would keep possession of the ball. And I think, you know, that was the, I suppose, if you look at Pep now, he was the Pep of that era, and I've no doubt about it. And I, I go on record in saying that we, we were playing, we were playing that way for, for many a games. It took us a while to get it going, to be fair, like in the preseason. And if you look, at the start of the season, I think the first two games didn't we? We got our first win. I think it was Wrexham at home or something like that. We beat Wrexham after we didn't have a great preseason because we were giving the ball away at times, trying things. But that was definitely, uh, you know, that was planned that year. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think like Aaron says that the key that I saw was um, was the players that he brought in. Plus also you've got Peter Billing, who Billow was was underestimated really on on how decent he was on the ball and. Um, no, Dario at one point toyed with perhaps playing him in midfield, so that shows how good he was in the ball. You, you'd also got like Paul Edwards was was sort of really coming on. Um, he knew that I'd just run up and down anyway, so that that was all right. But then Jasp, Andy Sussex were all good players, weren't they? You know, I think Jasp was key because um, he knew that he could either step into midfield from the back three or drop into a back three. Um, and like Aaron says, I think you know it makes me laugh now when people talk about how the game is and and playing out from the back and go, well, we were doing that back then, believe it or not, we really were. Can I just jump in, guys? What was the reaction from the other teams? Like, you know, Division 4, England, 1980s, you've got a fancy Dan manager with a foreign name, you're playing out from the back. What was the reaction from the other teams and the other fans? Were they sort of baffled by this? I think we caught them by surprise, really. Yeah. I don't think, you know, it was, because it was new and... You know, people were looking at how we were trying to play and, and you know, we were getting great plaudits. I think even when we, we got a couple of the cup games against Liverpool in one or two seasons, most managers that were coming and watching us, you know, were, were, were applauding the way we were trying to play. And, um, you know, the fact that we were developing young players along the way, which was good. Um, we had brought in some, you know, don't forget, I remember when we brought in Higgy, Higgy was electrifying, you know, you know playing wide right or playing through the centre. You know, with a good blend of, I mean, a good mix of sort of lads around 21, 22. We, we were all around that age with a couple of those young lads. So it, it was surprising, I have to say. And, and that's what I seen. That was the reaction I would have seen that. But we were getting plaudits, believe it or not, um, from, from, you know, managers from a higher division. And we obviously got a lot of uh, scouting, uh, scouts coming to the games, obviously. OK, the season, season begins. Um, and Chris Cotler, I think, starts the season really well, bags a fair few goals. And I think he... Um, I think he breaks his jaw or something against Scunthorpe really early on, and then he's out for the rest of the season. And there's this kind of ongoing narrative throughout the rest of the season of trying to find someone to play up front alongside Fish. And I think we got Dennis Cronin at some point. So how did that affect you, Paul? Was that was that frustrating not having a regular partner up there? Um, no, no, it didn't. Uh, it didn't worry me at the time because I think everyone that came in did a pretty good job. You know, Andy. I think he tried Andy Sussex up there as well. And it, 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 that didn't worry me. I'll, I'll concentrate on my own game, really, and, and the, the role I had in the team. Um, we, he had players moving about and interchanging. You know, it wasn't, 
it wasn't um, a set four four two or anything like that. You know, we we had our roles. We knew what we were doing. It didn't affect me in any way. I mean, we had. I, I remember actually, I did some research into it. We had on loan from Liverpool uh, a young lad called Wayne Harrison. Yeah. At that point in time, was he was like the world record transfer fee for a seventeen-year-old. It it hadn't really worked out for him. I think he retired really early. I think he he actually passed away about about ten years ago. Were there any any memories of him? Because he had obviously loads of ability, but never never quite managed to make it. Uh, brief, briefly, I, I remember him. Um, I do remember him. Remember him quite well, but can't really remember why he, why he didn't stick around. Or I don't think he played that many games. I think over a couple of years, you know, Dario had people like Rob Wackenshaw, who came from Everton, had a big reputation, didn't really sort of do it. Um, I say Dennis came from United, another one, fairly big reputation, didn't really do it. Wayne Harrison, another one. So I think like like Fisher's in the end, he probably looked at it and thought, well, Andy Sussex can, can pop up there, Mark Gardner can pop up there. Obviously then Rob Edwards played a few games. You, know, you always knew as long as you had Fish up there, you could you could get people around him. And um, I think in the end, it didn't really matter. Because like I said, Chris had started the season really, really well. Was there a game early on in the season when you you collectively thought, hey, you know, we might we might do something this year. Was there a particular game you could maybe pinpoint? I I, I agree with that. I think we did start quite slowly. You know, I think did, did we did we get knocked out of the league cup by Lincoln or something in the, or two legs, and then yeah, I think the first win. I think the first win was actually Scunthorpe at home, three two. But I'm not. I don't can't recollect as I can't recollect one game where you really think well for me anyway. Where I thought yeah, that's it. That, it just seemed to just happen. We just we just got a bit of momentum, you know, we're, we're winning some games. I think we we might have gone to Rochdale or something got beat. I don't know when that was, but we, we'd had a little bit of a run by then. And you was thinking, leaving with that defeat, which Rochdale were probably down near the bottom at the time, we still felt, well, actually, we're, we're doing all right here, you know. So for me, it wasn't one game. I think it just it just seemed to just settle and, and, and we just got a bit of a rhythm. I think, just to add to that, Wayne, I think you're right because... We didn't have a great pre-season that year, if I'm right. And we were we were trying we were trying different things, and things were working out in some matches. They weren't working out in other matches. We definitely had a slow start. I remember, yeah. and I think from about September onwards, we had we probably had it really had September October that in and around that time, we were in, in ten games from September. We lost two or maybe three, definitely mm-hmm. two, and we really got, went on a good run. I, I can you know distinctly remember having a good. Uh, yeah. September and December. I think we were unbeaten in December as well. We went through December where we never lost a game, and then we kicked it round. And we, I remember that sort of New Year. I can't even remember if, if I. I think I, I went home for a couple of days and come back, and we must have been the Guinness because we had a bad start in the New Year. I can say we we won a two defeats in the New Year, and we started off slow again. Like so, um, you know, you couldn't really say one game. You know, no. I mean, the one game I think in, in everyone's. That stands out, and everyone is obviously the primary game, the last game, or the game that we got officially got promoted. Like, but certainly that you know there was patches of games where we'd had a couple of defeats, three or four wins, a couple of draws, you know. Um, but December and um, September, December, you know, we we two good runs to get us into contention. We had yeah. the cup run a little bit as well, didn't we? Like won the games in the cup, and then obviously yeah. had the Villa game straight after in yeah. early January. So I th- yeah, I think. And we played well, and even though we got beaten against the Villa, like you know, we we probably should have beat them today. Yeah, sure. You know, the atmosphere around them games were, were, were unbelievable. But you know, I think we were we were generating a lot of interest about the the, the style of play. There's no doubt about that in and around 
September, October, like in, at that stage, the word had got out that we were playing a nice brand of football, albeit we were conceding, because we, we were so expansive at times, we were conceding goals, um, and that was something we had to address, uh, and probably took it a little bit longer than we probably would have anticipated. Can I just um, ask about the, uh, the cup game? The, uh, the Villa game there because it's something I've always wanted to know because we were winning it was an early kickoff wasn't it I think it was like a midday kickoff oh, yeah, yeah. and we were winning 2-0 at half time did Dario say you've done enough just defend because I would be heartbroken if that was the case or did he just say carry on score some more no he never said that he never said that I, I can't recollect but I think in our minds we were probably thinking we, we should have been three up uh, and if we could get another one then, then maybe then, you know, but no, we, we never, in all time I was there, even even like the season before, I'd never known Dario to be defensive, full stuff anyway. Like Aaron says, it's more likely that he'd, he wants to go out and try and win the game. And I, and I think, I think I think just with that one, that they, they scored early on, didn't they? Did David score early on? Yeah, he scored early on from corner, yeah. Yeah, and he, he listen, you know, he's talking about lads who played in, international players in, in there so they, they, they were going to come and put us under pressure because we, we absolutely battered him in the first half absolutely battered them and, and I do think we probably should have been three up yeah. I remember um, a, a mate of mine Kevin Gage who played yeah. uh, played in the middle of the park and he scored their second goal I think yeah where Dario would not have said what he said he told me that Graham Taylor went absolutely ballistic yeah. in their dressing room and basically then kicked them out and said, you've got yourself in like this mess, go and get yourselves out of it. And You're out early, weren't that, that, that was that was pretty much good enough for them because they did come out and and sort of it was back to the wall second half, really was. Yeah, like I say, you know, you've got McNally up front, like I say Gage, David, Stuart Gray. I mean, they had a, they had a good side, did Mountfield. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a really good side at that time. The, the, the momentum was obviously when he scored first, so it gave them a little bit of impetus. Um, and as Fish says, there we were. I remember the last 20 minutes of that, we were backs to the wall. Like, but you know, we, we you know, I mean, good players, they were good players, and you know, they, they just in the end, they, they overran us really with, with that experience. And, and, and obviously, the fact that they were playing at a higher level. And I think that that cup run um, is remembered really fondly by, by lots of Alex fans because at that point, time the FA Cup was was basically a one-game tournament for crew because we normally drew a non-league team away and were dumped out unceremoniously and you managed to defeat two non-league teams on the way which doesn't, doesn't sound much but for crew back then massive achievement and I think it was a weird sort of symmetry in the whole run because I think you crew were 2-0 up at Stafford and they came back to draw 2-2 I think in the replay they went 2-0 up and you came back to win 3-2 and of course we threw the lead away against Villa um, any memories of those non-league games when you went to Stafford and Runcorn? That one game, that um, the Runcorn game especially, I think we grew up and proved to ourselves as well that we could stand a fight as well because that was a really, really tough game, that one. And they were a big, horrible side. Uh, who, who tried to kick us off the park as well. And uh, we, we, we didn't take that, you know. I think that, that was a game for me, as well as um, a Rotherham one on Boxing Day, I think, when we went away to Rotherham and won 2-1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that was a game where I thought from then we could really we could really kick on and maybe something was happening. I think, I think the Runcorn one, especially, like you say, Fish, that, I mean, I know that's on, that's on YouTube, so somebody sent me that and you watch it back and it's, it is, it's just a battlefield, isn't it, for about an hour? Yeah. 
and then you can just see the fight goes out of them because we, we just get on top. And so I, I, I think that was a that was a big turning point probably for when you say that fight before for us because we could quite have easily gone out in that game. Yeah. We didn't, you know. You can imagine opposition managers coming to play against us at the time would have been like these guys want to want you know want to play around you, they want to play five side football, all that sort of stuff. So you know, if you were in that other dressing room, you know, you would have said, look, these, you know, we'll out battle these, we'll out fight them. You know, that would have been what I would have been taking from those games. And I mean, I, I always remember that Stafford game at home when we come back to win that three did. That was an unbelievable game. I mean, at one stage I thought we, we were actually out of it. And um, we come back to score the three goals in the second half. And um, the atmosphere in the night was incredible. And, you know, when you, when you get something like that, when you win a game like that, it definitely does breed a little bit more confidence into the team. Um, and the fact that we were scoring goals and we didn't have an issue. And I don't think we ever had an issue scoring goals, did we, Fish? We, we, we seemed to, you know, we, we, I don't think there was many games we didn't score on, put it that way. No, that's right, yeah. We had goals in coming from four, five, six different players. You know, Andy, Paul Clayton, Mark Gardner. He, Mark, got, Mark was a revelation that season. He, he, got, he got a good, uh, well into double figures, I think. Yeah. I think Mark probably did better than Dario thought he was going to do, to be honest. Yeah. My memory of that Stafford game, Aaron, you might remember him, was Stafford had this massive... Chris Camden. Chris Camden. Mustachioed, yeah. stereotypical 1980s non-league centre-forward. Absolutely massive. But I think he scored, actually. He had a massive time. Yeah, he had a good career. He's got a lot of goals, Chris. Yeah. yeah. Point Aaron about, about opposition. I think a lot of opposition would have thought that about, oh, we'll just get into some kind of thing. But... You know, we could all look after ourselves. That was the thing. You know, if if you wanted to have a bit of a battle, we were all right with that. Um, you know, with a lot of players that, that you know didn't shirt. Well, nobody shirt from that. You know, and, and I think, I think we probably got us through some games where, you know, we didn't always get the flow in football, but we could battle our way through as well, couldn't we? You only have to you only have to look at the state of our noses, and you'll know. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just jump in, Steve, for a second? Yeah, sure. Come. Um, just to go back to a couple of points you were making a few minutes ago about you know you getting on these good runs. Um, obviously, we're recording this whilst the Euros are going on. Uh, I was listening to another podcast recently, and they're talking about you know teams that win these competitions, the Euros, the World Cups. They always talk about what a good camaraderie there is in the squad, and then it sort of. The question in my mind is, what comes first? Do you win because you all get on with each other or do you all get on with each other because you're winning? What was it in the squad then? Because you obviously did get on, like Aaron mentioned earlier, the wives and girlfriends all got on as well. Does that come from winning games or does you win because you get on? I'd like to say the first. You, 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 you win and get things going because you all get on. <clears throat> Getting the results then drives you on, you know, gives you momentum and everything else but the group as a whole uh got on early doors yeah you know really well and that, that really helped i think once the results started coming we we seemed to click yeah yeah and i, and I think i think the other thing with that is like you say we so many players did come in early in the season, but right from the start of pre-season there was no clicks like you say you know we everybody just really did get i know it sounds like we just repeating that, but everybody did get on really, really well. And it was one of those where through the season, oh, we joked about it, but we'd have nights out, you'd have everybody out, you know. I mean, sometimes you won't want Peter Billing with you because all sorts could happen, but, you know. <laughs> um, but we'd all be out, wouldn't we? And then we'd have, like say, if the girls had been at the game, everybody would go in the bar afterwards, nobody would get in off quick. And, and it, you can't underestimate how much that, that does 
get you get your team together. I think I think that happened. You know, if you we were training really well at the time as well. I mean, everybody was coming into training and we were enjoying training. The sessions were really high tempo. You know, the variety sessions Dario was putting on was really good. Um, and you know, when you'd come from probably clubs like the lads, and we'd all come from different clubs at that stage where. You know, football probably wasn't a prominent part of it. We were playing a la Wimbledon back in the back in the 80s. Um, you know, we were really enjoying training. Training was really competitive. And nobody, if you look back at Parfum, I know we, we lost Chris early on. We didn't get many injuries. We didn't get many injuries that year, which, you know, we kept the same group of players on the park. Training was, as I said, you're very healthy. And, and that sort of grew onto the matches. And take you back to November. Uh, and it was obvious we were pushing the tops. I think we uh, we defeated Tranmere at home. And uh, Aaron, you scored your first goal for the club. And I, I've, I've watched this on YouTube today. Can you remember it? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I didn't get a lot of goals, I have to say. Um, you think I would have. I think, you know, I'm actually, the, 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 my biggest regret was the goal I actually missed against Liverpool at home when we were live on TV. And it came down to me, and I tried to have volley it uh, across the goal, and it just missed the far post. And, and that's the only thing I remember when I was trying to score goals. Um, but I certainly don't remember that goal. And you might send me the link later on. I might show the grandson just to prove to him that I did actually play. You can just about see it as a glancing header. I think it, it, it is you. I think you claim it anyway, so I reckon it is you going in. Oh, yeah, that'd be me. Yeah, I'll claim it. Yeah. Well, well, listen, we'll need a separate podcast if we're going to go through Fish's goal. But I hope you're going to bring my one goal up. Oh, I've got, I've got that one. That's 20, 25 yarder, that one is, isn't it? Oh, miles out, yeah. <laughs> Talk, talking to Fish, the ongoing search for a partner for Fish leads Dario to play, I don't know, 35-year-old European Cup winning fullback Kenny Swain up front with Fish for a while. Um, what did you think of that decision when Swain ended up playing up front for a few games? You know what? I, I've got to be honest. I don't even remember that. <laughs> did he? He played a few handful of games. He played Kenny up there. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. He might have been behind. He might. Yeah. He might well have been sort of in that ten role. I think because <laughs> he could run all day long. Swainy. Uh, oh, yeah. he, he was such an experienced, good pro. He, he you could have put him anywhere on the pitch, and he'd have done a job. And we'll go back to the league again. And um, and, and you mentioned it, Wayne. Uh, we get a home win over Leighton Orient, which keeps us plugging away at the top. And then there was that rarity of, of a goal from yourself. Um, I've watched it today. It's it's a corker. It's an absolute blinder. Do you, do you want to walk us through that goal? Yeah, I'm about, I'm about a yard out. <laughs> it's funny because, well, I think we went 1-0 down. Kevin Campbell scored for, for, for Orient. And um, about five minutes before, before I scored, we'd had a very similar move down the left-hand side uh, Paul and, and Mark Gardner worked it, pulled it across the, the, the six-yard line, and I came in at the back post and put it wide. And um, and literally about five minutes later, the same move pretty much happened. And uh, I just got myself sort of inside, I think more inside the post this time, so I, I couldn't miss ended up in the back of the net with the, with the ball and everything, I think. Um, that's your one goal, isn't it? I think you got That's my one goal. I did have one disallowed at uh, Colchester the year before that, that went in and bounced back off the stanchion, but... Um, and then, bizarrely enough, I mean, talk about injuries. I actually, I did my ankle then about 20 minutes later in the first half against Orient. And I missed, I probably missed about five or six games after that. Um, but yeah, that, that was my one goal. It'd be interesting to start to see how many players actually scored that year. You know, I never looked at it I mean, like that. Probably would have scored, you know, Aaron. About everybody scored. Just about. 
I bet just about everybody scored that played for yeah, it'd be it'd be an interesting stat now. I wouldn't have thought that like, but certainly a lot of midfield players and, and, and the fullbacks are scoring, you know, Paul Edwards yeah. was scoring, Rob Edwards came in who's scoring, you know, Higgy was scoring, Fish was scoring, so Andy was scoring. There was a lot of people scoring. Billow mm. mm. was scoring, yeah. Uh, Wayne, you mentioned the, the goal at Colchester. This is one that I, I heard Dario, he wrote about in the programme once and I've heard him talking about. Is this the one where you, you hit it so well, it goes in and flies out and the ref didn't think it had gone in? Is, is that the case? Yeah, it was a night game and um, <clears throat> as usual, I got tossed out of the way. We had a corner, so I'd stayed back out of the way of it all. And um, the ball got headed out and I just ran in and just, just one of those where I just I could hear Dario shouting, don't hit it, don't hit it. And I did. Like, I caught it in the half volley. You know, you just know when you catch it sweet, don't you? And I caught it sweet and it hit the stanchion at the back and they had those short stanchions and it hit the stanchion and bounced out. We're all running away celebrating. The referee went play on. We won the game, but Dario used to video the games, didn't he, back then? And which was unusual for a lot of a lot of teams. And um the referee did say to me after the game that he he thinks he made he thought he made a mistake. It was a goal. I think Dario sent the, the video to him, but yeah, it was disallowed. But there we go. I still can't. No, but they are. <laughs> <laughs> now, there, there is, there's an elephant in the room that we, we have to address at some point. And, and I think now's the moment because it's around about now, I think, that something very, very strange happens. And out of the blue, there's a record that appears and it's made by the squad. Um, anyone, what, what was going on? How did that happen? We were just waiting for the white suits to come before we actually did. <laughs> That's what I was more interested in. But I uh, actually don't know how the record came along. And I think when, when, when we did find out we were actually going to sing, I think all of a sudden we were looking at one or two people who thought they were good singers. I think Dennis was was Dennis was one of those guys. Dennis himself, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Higgy, I think Higgy thought he was another Michael Jackson as well. So there was one or two lads who obviously yeah, stepped up to the plate. But, um, we were, if you know us all the experienced lads, we were in the background. And when I say experience, I mean the 21-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. why, why did we make it? I can't remember the occasion. What was it for? I think it was a supporter, one of the supporters. Yeah, the supporter came and, and said he'd got a, a studio or whatever, and, and uh, he'd wrote this song and he'd got an idea and that, you know thought it'd be a, be a good bit of publicity. I think as well, because the club was used to like really poor publicity and, and as we say you know the season was going well we were getting more and more sort of you know publicity around the club and I, and I think Dario just thought well yeah we'll, we'll, we'll do it kind of thing you know and, um, who's still yeah. got their copy well I was going to say there Paul yeah, um, just in case there's someone who hasn't heard this before <laughs> listening to the podcast uh, Dave has handily clipped a, a 30 second uh, well a clip of the chorus, so I think it's probably a good time to play this now. Uh, Standing together. Yeah, that's um, it. You can join in, lads, if you want. Yeah. <laughs> Dance. All come flooding back, lads. Yeah, brilliant. I've, I've, I've heard worse. 
<laughs> well, I think you got the lyrics right. To be fair, because that year we were all standing together, so yeah. maybe it was it was it was appropriate, and it was up that you know the name of it was standing together because we did. We stood together. To be fair, you know, as soon as we all got in, as, as the lad said, it's funny when you're listening back to it there now, but you know, probably be better with a couple of drinks. To be fair, <laughs> as football songs go, it's not the worst, but I wouldn't say it was Three Lions. Well, you know. I think I think I think a few drinks might have been taken before the recording. To be fair, so. And looking at the B side, I must admit because I haven't got a turntable anymore, so uh, <laughs> I haven't played this for years. Uh, the B side, just the way that we are, full list of players, and there's all the players mentioned there: Grey Goose, Fishenden Gardner, Edwards, Rob Jones, Steve Walters, Aaron Callahan, and then Dario George Andrews for some reason, who was one of the local media guys, and uh, and Dean Grey Goose as well. Yeah, I don't remember that as well, I'll be honest. Do you remember anything about the B-side? Just an interview. You've just been interviewed, I think, just asking you what, what did you think of the season so far. There's no singing, don't worry. Oh, fair enough. I won't I won't, I won't. go and buy a turntable then just to play that again. You wouldn't want to listen to the goose singing, would you? <laughs> um, can I just ask you something else then? Um, whilst we, You mentioned just a second ago the publicity, the... Obviously, you know, crew, it's, I think it has increased uh, or improved recently, but that was something that I think has historically not been great. But with the fans, when does it become noticeable for uh, the players that the fans are thinking, hang on, we've been in Division 4 for, what, 25 years at this stage? This could be the season that we're actually going to get promoted. Do you notice that as players on the pitch? Most of me, when that record came out, because that was the first time in the history of the club anyone decided to make a record. Are we getting royalties on that? Are we getting royalties on that, lads? I think the checks are going to come through at some point, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> like I say, Daniel's probably in charge of that, so I would doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I think what, what was probably noticeable was, was just the crowds, although you know, you're not talking sort of 20, 30,000, you could see an increase in the crowds and you could, you could feel an increase in, I think, the engagement with the fans. Again, I go back to my first season there and some really poor attendances, sort of 12, 1300s and stuff for some of the games. Um, but I think even when they became sort of three, maybe 4,000, it sounded like a lot more. You know, the pop side was quite getting quite full. Um, they were a bit more rowdy, you know, a lot more singing. You just you just felt them get a bit more engaged, I think. So, and, and you notice it then when, you, when you're wandering around the town because people are saying, oh, well done on the result and keep it going, all that kind of stuff. And, and certainly as you get towards the back end of the season as well, you know, you, people were getting really kind of excited then. I remember a match at home against Wrexham. It was a Friday night, and I think there's about 6,000 there, and I genuinely never felt yeah. and, and so squashed on the pop side. It was absolutely yeah. round. I'd never seen anything like it. Yeah, yeah, I remember that game. Yeah, I do remember that game. There were those whispers that there were more than 6,000 there, but they, they kind of just, just put that down. It felt so packed. Yeah. I just vividly remember it to this day. I think Wayne's yeah. right. I think Wayne, you know, we, we were all living in the town as well at that stage. So, you know, it wasn't the, the fact that we were living outside the town. We were all more or less in crew, walking around, shopping at weekends, socialising in the town. You know, people, you know, we started talking to a lot of fans as well. So it was a good connection, I think. And we, we got a good connection. Um, in and around the town as well so you know the whole sort of you know they, they felt that we were playing for them as well so you know and then when you meet them on the street and you're saying hello you know they they realize they're human like everybody else like and like, you know they felt that connection we felt that connection because 
enjoyed living in the area, but you know, I really did. I, I think I moved house twice in it, so that's how much I enjoyed it. It's one game that I remember sort of after when we sort of things started to click and I think it was a, a an away match on a Friday at Stockport away at Stockport and I have read since that somebody reckons that was the first time that Blue Moon was ever sung by the Alex fans and I can remember them singing it but I don't remember it being the first time particularly. No, I, I, I see I, I have this argument with a lot of City fans when they go on about it and I'd say I, that was sung before that season, it was sang, you know, obviously lesser numbers, but that that was especially that season, it was sang a lot. But I, I would, it was definitely not the first time at Stockport. That, that no, I don't think it was. No, but I've read that somewhere, so I'm glad you've you've put that straight. Yeah. That does seem to be the um, the approved version that it was Stockport away. Obviously, I don't know. I'm I wasn't there, but yeah, on Twitter, a lot of the crew fans I follow, it seems to be Stockport away is the that's the official first time it was heard. No, I don't think so. I don't think that's the case. I think it was before that. Yeah, I agree. And it was it was it was sung by crew fans way before City fans sang it. Way mm-hmm. I think going going back to that Wrexham game um that we've mentioned, I think uh Paul Clayton, I think, makes his debut and, and scores then. Again, crew paid a bit of money for him. He came in, scored a goal. And um, what, what are your recollections of playing with um with Clayton up front fish? Uh good ones, good memories. Uh he, he was a great lad. We got on we got on really well, the pair of us. Uh, we used to socialise away from the club together as well. Um, and I think we were pretty good together. Um, I think more than once he, he got us out of trouble um, when I when probably I dried up a little bit. Um, and the games I, that stand out that I remember were the Burnley game at home towards the end of the season. Because again, I mean, going back, I think we we had a rough rough start, not the best start. I think we had a really good period over Christmas and the New Year, and then again, I think our finish wasn't great. I think we just about got over the line in the end, but he came good towards the end of the season, and um, I think he got hat trick in the uh, the game at Burn- uh, home to Burnley, um, where we played really well. Um, played him off the park that day. I think probably one of our best performances of that season. And uh, obviously, again, he got me out of trouble at Tranmere with with his with his equaliser, which I'll always be grateful for. <laughs> but um, yeah, he, he he was a he was a good lad, good with both feet, um, and he chipped in with some very important goals towards the end of the season. I mean, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll come to the Tranmere game, but I, I re-watched the Tranmere game um, as prep for this. And I was really surprised, actually. I, I'd forgotten what a good player he was. He could play his back to goal. Um, he could beat a man. And watching the whole game, I was, I'd was i forgotten, actually. He was a really decent all-round centre-forward. He could do a bit of everything. And he plays really well in that match, which I say we'll, we'll, we'll come to in due course. But I'd, I'd forgotten what a useful player he was, to be honest. Um, Wayne, you, you're obviously, you score your goal. You then had enough and you get off injured for a few months. And then you come back and you're wearing the number eight shirt. And I noticed that Swain is playing right back. So you were you playing for in a different position for a period of time? Yeah, I played I played in midfield for a little bit and then sort of out on the right hand side a couple of times. But then it, it would switch around and I'd play it right back and just just wear the eight shirt. But but yeah, uh, I think I missed about five games or so. And then in, in fairness, I, I I came back and um 
I was sort of okay, but I, I wasn't playing well. I'd, I'd lost a bit of form. And I think, like, like Fish was saying, I think we, we had a bit of a scratchy spell. We, we beat Burnley really well. Um, and I think we lost a couple of games at home or, or maybe lost away. I think we lost at home to York, if I remember rightly. And um, I didn't play well at all. I was awful. And, uh, and, and Dario left me out after that, which was the right thing because I wasn't playing well. Um, but yeah, at that point with, with Swain, it was just, it, it, I think when I came back in, he, he played me in front of Swaney, sort of right side of midfield a couple of times. And then we'd just swap a little bit. And then in the end, I went back to right back and so I just played a few more games and then, then got left out. I think you all mentioned that around April sort of time, there was, there was a real, real dip in form. And mm. I think you're right, lost at home to York, mm. drew at home to Peterborough and Halifax. And I remember as a, as a 15-year-old, as I was there, there was a real sort of feeling of, oh, we've blown it. You know, we've gone off the boil, the wheels have come off. How did you feel the players at that point? Did you feel you were, you were struggling to, to get back to form as a team? I don't, think we, I don't think that ever really entered our head. I just think we knew we were, when we played well, we were a good side. We knew we were close. Um, and at times, you know, uh, an individual error might go against you here, there, or whatever. But I don't think we ever really thought we'd blown it. I think we knew we were a good side and when we played well, we were good. Um, and sometimes those little dips in form, you know, refocus you, you know, get your head back on, you know, back out onto the training ground. Okay, look, guys, we're still in a good position. And, you know, anytime you're in that position, you have to try and stay as positive as you can. And to be fair to Dario, he took a lot of pressures off us in relation to the fact that when we were watching games after the defeats or the draws, we, you know, you can look at when you when you look back at those games and the videos that we used to watch on the Mondays, sometimes after games, we felt that we actually were playing better than than we than we were actually getting results. So we, we I don't think we did panic at any stage. I think uh, I think it was just a case of you know continue to do what you were doing, keep passing the ball, keep trying to play. But because we were playing so expansive, because we were playing that way, we were the transitioning back into the defending needed to be improved. And, and at that time, transition wasn't even a word back then. It was just get back in and defend. Yeah. So it was it was the way we were playing was giving us, um, you know, was giving up opportunities to the opposition. Um, but we were enjoying the way we were playing and we just kept playing the way we wanted to play. And we said, if we score more goals, then we win the game. And that was the way, you know, that was the philosophy, if you like, at the time. I think you, you mentioned the bank holiday. There's a bank holiday home game against Burnley. There's, there's like a massive must-win game. And you mentioned we won 4-0. Um, played really, really well. Um, I think Paul Clayton hadn't, he hadn't scored for about seven or eight games. I think there was a bit of pressure on him and he, he scored the hat-trick. I don't know if you remember one of, one of the goals. Um, I think it was his second one. Um, I don't know if you recall. Was it a cross or, or did he mean it, do you reckon? I think he, because Fish was in the box and then it looked, I remember watching the video, like a cross that looped in. What do you reckon? Did he mean it or is that a, a fluke? It's not the one um, where he seemed to pass it into an empty net, was it, from a wide position? I think he was wide and it looked like a cross, but it kind of looped in. But um, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure if he meant it or whether he was aiming for your head, Fish. No, I'm going to say he meant it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you um, should have crossed it to Fish. <laughs> he, he didn't pass me that often, but, no. <laughs> uh, but I do think that was a good hat trick, if I remember rightly. I, I mean, some good, three good finishes. So. And if it's the one I'm thinking of, I think it uh, a keep. I think it might have been myself who was uh, trying to take it round the goalkeeper, maybe, and it, the board come off the keeper's knee and gone out wide, and it from a quite an angle and quite a way out, he sort of put it into an empty net. 
Great finish. Good, good player. Good player, as I say. Good player. Really, really impressed when I watched the videos again of him. And then we're down to Tranmere. Final game. And as you say, we just about scratched over the line. Um, and I think going into the game, you had to better Scunthorpe's result to go up. And I think Tranmere were already up, but they could win. They could win the title. Um, and again, I've rewatched it. And it's an absolutely insane match. There's fans on the stand. There's, there's, there's at one point, they're about nine deep behind the goal. It's the kind of match that you would never, ever see actual play nowadays. There's crew fans climbing the floodlight pylons, and if you remember that. Yeah. And I think it was a few months after Hillsborough, so they opened the pen behind the goal. And there was loads of crew fans sitting on the grass behind the goal watching the match because the pen was so crowded. Um, any any particular memories of the early part of the game with Fish? We'll get you, we'll get your penalty in due course. But uh, any memories of the early part of the game that stick out? I mean, I, I'll go first. My memories. I, I didn't play in the game, so I, I got this. And I knew I was playing, but obviously I, I went. And um, it's like you're saying, we, we knew that we needed to better the result. And uh, obviously, back in those days, no no mobile phones stuff like that. So I was pretty much bobbing backwards and forwards with with this. Well, I forget who else was was with me, but there was a couple of us anyway. We kept bobbing backwards and forwards and having a quick beer and getting a bit nervy and going down and telling telling what the score was and yeah I mean we, we, I remember looking at the uh, at the away end and it was just absolutely rammed rammed you know with, with crew fans I mean I think it's another one if I'm honest with you where I don't know what the attendance was but it's probably down on what it what it actually was because there was a lot of people in the ground that day you know not just in there but all even in the main stand at, at Prenton Park which is a big stand there was loads of crew fans in there and stuff as well. And we were all, like I said, just backwards and forwards to the bench saying what the score was and what we needed to do. And so Fish decided he'd keep us on ten ropes for a little bit, which was fine. The official well, attendance, um, 15,296 um, and 2,500 crew fans. But it's got to have been more than that. It was more than that. I was in that away end and it was absolutely rammed. Absolutely rammed. It was probably too full that away end. Like I say, it wasn't long after it was probably too full that end. And... and and it's a big ground, isn't it, Brenton Park? I mean, it's probably a different stand now, but I know when you when I was sat there looking at it, thinking there's a lot of people in this ground, you know, a lot of people. So if I could just jump in, I was obviously the only one on this call that wasn't there, but I've seen the pictures. And I think the first thing I notice is if you look at the crew fans, there's someone stood on the wall at the back of the ground, just stood on the wall. There's no roof, there's no net behind him, no, no. just stood on a brick wall with his hands in his pockets. And that's the first thing I saw that. That's absolutely insane. But then it only hit me recently. He said they wrote the floodlights. Yeah, it only hit me recently from what Steve said earlier. Um, this is a month after Hillsborough. Yeah. Like this is, I mean, that's just insane to me looking at that, you know, in 2021. That's insane looking at that photo. Yeah. Yeah. It's a mad, I think, mad game. I think, I think that land that one of those lads on the, on the floodlights was actually a sub. <laughs> I've shown my kids uh, the video or, or the YouTube of that game and they cannot believe that the game finished with um, you know the while on the pitch yeah the supporters literally on the touchline yeah, yeah in our way like someone couldn't even take a corner because there was too many too many fans on the pitch couldn't both believe it both benches were on as well we, we were on the pitch as well about five minutes ago, because it's like keep ball, wasn't it? Just like yeah, exactly. Yeah, what score you come down. Yeah, because there were so many people there. The match kicked off late, didn't it? So that's why. So with 50, 10, 15 minutes to go, both sides knew that one all was yeah. was fine. Yeah. 
I remember going, I don't know what fish was like, but I remember going out, you could feel the atmosphere of that building, even through the warm-up. And then obviously when we came out for the, you know, the start of the game, the atmosphere was electric. There's no doubt about it. And we definitely did bring a lot more than two, two and a half thousand, whatever they said in terms of the crew end. But certainly towards, I think when we did equalise, when we did equalise, I don't think anyone got out of half after that. We were just playing tippy-tappy football. They were quite happy for us to, to see it out and get promoted as well. And I think for 15 minutes, was it about 15 minutes, I think we were playing walking football. So was, well, that, was that your decision, Aaron, or were you given instructions to do that? Well, I was given instructions. I was saying, we don't need to go anywhere. Leave the lads up there. I don't don't get anyone crossing the halfway. And to be fair, they were doing it. You could hear them as well. I think the lad, the striker, that played up front for them. He says, look, we won't be going anywhere. We won't be making any runs. We've done it now. We, they were quite happy. And they didn't want to get caught on the counter punch either. So, you know, they, they had sort of uh, one or two lads, experienced lads at the back as well, calming it all down and... I think if you look at the last, if, if you could watch the game live or you had a, a video of it watching live, you'll see that there was an awful lot of walking around. Couldn't wait for the ref to blow the whistle. So we had uh, Graham McGarry on, on one of our recent pods and this game came up when we were talking to him and he said the last 15 minutes were, uh, and I quote, a disgrace. Um, and I was going to ask you whether you thought that was a fair assessment, but listening to you guys there, it sounds like you kind of do agree. Like, you know, you'd both, it was an unspoken agreement that, this is fine for both of us. We'll leave it at this. Yeah, that's my recollection. That's that's the way any player I spoke to, Trav made the time. Yeah. Look, we've done enough. Calm it down. Play it round. Lose possession. Gain it back. Lose possession. Gain it back. If you, you'll probably find that there was no shots in that last 15 minutes and Fish was probably sitting down. I think Fish had already started smoke, the smoking at that stage. <laughs> about five minutes to go. So... It was, uh, it, it was, it, it was, it was unofficial at the time. We knew 15 minutes to go that they weren't doing that and we weren't doing that. And the thing was, did. we in the crowd knew that as well. You know, it was obvious that no one was trying to score. So with 15 minutes to go, we were all celebrating, you know, yeah. in the stands. Yeah. And I think that added to the atmosphere as well because yeah, right, I must say. It was, that last 15 minutes was sensational. You know, even on the pitch, talking to the primary players, but even looking at the atmosphere, you could actually take it in. It was, it was, a, you know, it was a time, you know, where you could actually, you know, soak in that energy. I've got a fish. I think we have to do it. Talk, talk us through the pen. Go on. We're 1-0 down. 1-0 down. I think about, about two players get poleaxed from what I can see. And I think everyone around me is thinking, Fish, he never misses from the spot. We're fine here. Uh, I think I did miss a couple that season, to be fair. I, I remember um, at the beginning when we lost to... Was it Chester or Lincoln in, in the League Lincoln, Cup? Lincoln in the League Cup. I missed uh, I missed one that day. That was early on. Um, but I was confident, really. I'm, what I do remember is the ball, Nixon, was it Eric Nixon? He kicked the ball literally out of the ground, up the other end of the pitch. And what, what was going on? I, it took ages for, to, for me to take the penalty. Um, but I was confident. I was still confident. And I think I hit it well. It was just too high and too close. It was at a perfect height for him, if I remember rightly. Um, and I think I'd read somewhere that he'd, it wasn't the days of uh, sort of studying and analysing, uh, you know, getting all the data of how players took penalties and that back then. But he, he knew that that was my favoured side. And uh, I was gutted, absolutely gutted, because I wanted to be... Uh, the hero, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to, I knew how crucial it was that we had to score. And again, it affected me afterwards. 
because um, I think he pushed it back into play and off they went on the attack. And for about five minutes afterwards, I was all over the place because I, I was thinking this can't be me now that, that mucks it up. You know, lets the lads and the supporters and everyone down, the club down. We've got to get a goal. We've got to get a goal. And, and you know, I'll still go back to this day. It still hurts. It's, honestly, it still hurts that, um, that I did miss that day. And it ruined the celebrations for me afterwards. Uh, it ruined the fun. I mean, I can't tell you how much it, it messed my head. But when Paul scored, I was the happiest man in the ground. And I think you see that on the... On the um, that YouTube clip, because I was probably the fastest I'd run all season trying to jump on his back. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it still, it still grates me, but we got the goal. We got, um, we got promoted and it probably, you know, the, the most important game and the best game and the best season I had personally, um, really memorable. I don't know if you remember, Steve might remember this, but that was the season when the giant inflatables were popular. You know, I think Grimsby had paddocks, didn't they? And did, we had parrot. But for some reason, I'd taken a massive giant inflatable banana to the Tramia game. And when we got the penalty, I flung it in the air, thinking, yes, this is it, we're going up. And then, you know, crestfallen, fish missed it. And this banana gradually kind of made its way back to me. And then when we finally scored, it got thrown in the air again. Way! And, and I never saw it again, but I thought it was worth it. It was a sacrifice worth making for my team to go up to lose a giant banana. Brilliant. Great story. <laughs> the, th the things you did before uh, mobile phones, eh? Exactly. So, yeah. so final whistle goes. Massive pitch invasion. Crew fans and Tranmere fans on there together. Um, great, great day. I'm sure Dave remember on there, the Tranmere fans all celebrating. Brilliant finish the game for the fans. What, what did you and the rest of the lads do a celebration? Uh, we had a bit of a knees up in the dressing room, I think, if I remember rightly. I, mem I remember seeing photos. Um, but like I say, I, I wasn't... Um, I, was, I was more annoyed and upset with myself. I really... I think in that one of those photos, I'm at the back. You know, I'm, I'm at the back and out of the way. Not really... I wouldn't say not getting involved, but I do remember sprinting off the pitch because obviously the invasion we wanted to get in the dressing room i think we ended up going but into the uh the, up onto the main stand as a group which was good yeah. yeah and we had uh we had a bit of a knees up in the dressing room afterwards again i mean i'll try and remember what i did that night i really can't remember what happened when when the bus got back to crew and what we did i've we no idea been. Well went out, went to Nantwich, yeah. well went to the cat. Yeah, went to the cat, yeah. We, we definitely didn't buy a drink because there was a load of drink no. bar for us, to be no. fair. No. I went to Nantwich that night, but I didn't go to the cat. Didn't see <laughs> you there. If I, if I had done, I would have bought you a pint. Oh, we, we were in there while, like, while the death, I think. I um I, we had uh, Sean Smith and Steve McCauley on uh, earlier last season. Obviously, they got promoted a couple of times with the Alex away at Cheston and at Wembley. And they were really disappointed, the pair of them, because the team, they were saying, they didn't really organise anything afterwards. Listening to the start of this podcast and, you know, going out on nights out together as a team, I would have been surprised if that was the case with you guys. So it's good to hear that you were out that night. But I'm just I'm wondering, was young Dario, because obviously he's a bit younger in 89 than he is in the 90s, 
Does he come out with you? Does he cut loose or is his mind just cheers, <laughs> see, you in, see you for pre-season uh, and then straight back to football? He, no. he definitely didn't come out with us. I could no. tell that. <laughs> we would definitely wouldn't have invited him either. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of times he used to call us in the office on a, on a Friday morning, I could be down on a Thursday night. No, we wouldn't have called. We wouldn't have been out with him, no. <laughs> I think he knew the players who were out anyway. <laughs> yeah, he did. Didn't he? I, I, I did hear a rumour. I don't know where I'm allowed to say it on here, but I did hear a rumour back in the day that the, we used to uh, we used to go to a local pub in uh, where was it? Was it Coppernell? Somewhere called Coppenal, the White yeah. Line. Yeah. A, pub yeah, called, yeah. a pub called the White Line, which was yeah, just yeah. just over on a bridge of where we used to where we used to live, and the landlord had told us that Dario. Or someone from the club had said, had rang up and said, if any of if any of the lads do come in, I want to know when, who, and how, how long did they stay? Yeah, I think he had that with a few pubs over the years. Yeah, we, yeah, we got cut out a few times. definitely. I, I think that landlord ended up ended up uh, going to bed some nights, and we had to lock up. <laughs> <laughs> Fellas, just just before we round up, I just want to just a few players really from that squad and your, your recollections of them because two two of that um, defensive unit, Peter Billing and Paul Edwards, went on to play in, in the top flight. Um, and any particular recollections of, of of those two? I thought they were phenomenal players for us. Uh, two two scousers, two scousers. Would that be right? Um, two. I I felt personally a lot more players could have played up um, within the team, but. Uh, as Wayne says and alluded to earlier, you know, not only was Peter a very aggressive centre half, but he could also play. You know, and he, not only could he play in, in, in at centre half, he could he could play as a holding midfielder if, if you want to call holding midfielders back then as midfield players, or he could play fullback, or he could play in a three centre half. So he's he was um, he was very underrated centre half, and, and I always remember Paul running up and down that line. He just had a net. He seemed to have two engines on him at times, um, and uh, I think. His, uh, he was a little bit like Swainy as well. He could run all day as well. He, he was up and down the line, up and down the line. I think he chipped him on a few goals as well. Not many. Um, but uh, uh, I'd have to say that the two fullbacks at the time, Swainy and I know Wayne played there a few times, and they weren't the better. I think the centre halves were better looking that, in that year as well. <laughs> I remember Peter Billing taking on attackers in his own penalty area. Yeah. And dribbling out of defence like a left winger. In fact, in the Tramway game, at one point he's on the left wing, then he's on the right wing, and he was so so. Under, I think people thought he was. I don't know if he was a hard mind. You probably tell me he was, but he was such an underrated footballer as well. He was. He was. He, he was. He was a ball playing centre half, as was Dale. As I, I like to think, I could play as well. But I mean, Peter was definitely you know would take players on a lot more. We would see. I think myself and Jas would see passes a lot more. We tend to, you know, we wouldn't be taking players on, but it certainly Peter had the had the, the, the capacity to take players on, and, and obviously that's why he got a move. Like, I think the thing with Peter was when he when he came in, I think in the season before, um, he was a bit all over the place off the field and stuff, but you could see he was a really good player, and I, and I think that was partly why Dario went for some of the players like Aaron and, and Jasper that he knew could fit alongside him because. Pete was doing that, you know, when we, we didn't have the players to do it. And we, he got caught out a few times. I think he, he probably just felt that if he got the right play, people around him, it would improve Pete's game. And, and he did. And, and like I say, he was, I mean, he, he, yeah, he was, a, he was a character, but he was such a lovely lad as well, wasn't he? Like, you know, quiet lad, really off the pitch. 
unless he had a few drinks in him, and he got could get a little bit a little bit lively. But he was just such a lovely kid. Just a, and, and Paul the same. You know, two two great lads, two really good lads. I think they travelled together. They, they travelled yeah. in from from yeah, from yeah. Liverpool themselves as well. Paul used to bring him in because Pete didn't drive. Just talking of travelling, and this is actually early the following season. But and I think Aaron might know the, the answer to this. Again, it's gone down in kind of crew folklore. The time when you turned up twenty minutes late to the match away at Swansea, because was it was it uh, Jason Smart and Aidan Murphy had broken down and missed the coach, and you had to drive them there? What's the, what's, the, what's the story behind that? You have me on that one. <laughs> you don't remember that? No, very rarely. I had to say it would have been very rarely you'd miss. You know, you'd miss a bus or you you would turn up late. Like I don't remember that one now, but. If, if you're saying it's true, then it was definitely, definitely Smarty because Smarty's head was all over the place sometimes. <laughs> like, yeah, he was coming in, he was coming in from Rochdale at the time and he, he was, he wouldn't have been the brightest lad. He wouldn't have been the brightest lad, but he was a lovely lad. He was a brilliant lad. Um, and more for just, more, more for just, you know, you know, steady Eddie, you know, if you look at most of his games, you know, he never, never played less than seven out of ten in terms of his scores. But, uh, you know, if, if anyone's to blame, I'm going to blame Smarty. Steve, do you remember that? Did you go to that game? I, I seem to remember it was Hignett, Smart, and someone else. There's three of them that, that missed. The, and, and that's what I think Smart got booted out of the team for a few games. Because I think he was the replacement for Peter Billing. We paid a bit of money for him. Um, uh, I think he got dropped for a few games for it. I, Smart and Hignett definitely involved, from what I remember. Right. I remember going to Hartlepool one one week. Uh, I think my against my midweek game, going to Hartlepool... Then travelled on the day, and there was real bad traffic. We we literally got chains on on the bus uh, on the way up. Got us got us chains. We got off the off the coach with about ten minutes to spare. Straight on the pitch, two three minute walk, thinking, oh, this is going to be a nightmare. And I think we whacked them about four or five nil. Dario Todd, seriously, Dario Todd with the idea of being late out for warmups, but we said no. But I, I remember that. But obviously, I left by then. Anyway, Swansea. Now, maybe I've remembered wrong, but I was, it was the following season. It was away at Swansea at the Vetch Field. And yeah, we were all there. And the, the, the team got announced and it was like three or four players we'd never heard of like from the youth team. And then I think three or four players all came on about 20 minutes in. Then you'd finally arrived. And a story I heard was that somebody had to drive them down. It might have even yeah. been Harry himself no, in his car. Yeah, No, it definitely wasn't me because right. I, I would have been living in the town then. So it sounds as if it was the lads coming in from outside, you know, Rochdale. And yeah, it would have been. It would have been. So it sounded like one of them obviously must have broke down. Not blaming you. Take it all back. Sorry. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> and, and a final maybe player to think of, and one of my favourites from that side was uh, Dale Jasper, who I thought was a class above most teams in that division. Any memories of, of him in particular? on you guys you got you two go yeah well i i mean look like everybody else i was absolutely devastated the news when we heard it um through i don't know who i think it was a friend text or something like that have you heard the news um and you know we were just i was devastated i have to say you know to, to lose anyone that you've played with like um but what a, what a fantastic bloke what a fantastic teammate what a fantastic player and and you know he, he epitomized everything i suppose we've done that year he he was the one to get us to start us getting playing playing out from the back. He was the guy that was a little bit above us in relation to the, his ability, his game, his game intelligence was second to none. I have to say, um, he probably he'd tell you himself he probably needed to work on his little bit of his fitness. Um, but uh, you know it was it was it was, it was a brilliant player. I have to say he, he was integral 
particularly from us building out from the back. You know, if we didn't have Dale in the side, we used to struggle. And I think Dario, if you look at, you know, when we played in the different centre half positions, albeit left and right or in the middle, he played in the middle mostly. When he played in the middle, he got us ticking and he got us playing. And uh, you know, it's it's it was a sad loss, but but a fantastic man and a fantastic player. And it talks out to Shield and the family as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I said before, I, I, I do think, I mean, I've been there the season before and the season before that, what came that season, Dale was just, you say, in terms of, without Dale, we would not have played that way. We, he would not have set us up that way because he, he, he knew that he would be the one. And if you, I think if you could see a lot of the games back, there were times where, and I certainly know from my point of view, if I was under a bit of pressure, I, I knew I could just get it to Dale and, and he'd keep it and he might get it back to me at some point or another. And I think, the fact that he was so clever where he could step out into midfield and make the extra man or he'd drop back in if we needed that as well. You say there are lots of players at our level then would not have had that game intelligence. And uh -huh. you could just tell that he was he was a cut above us ability-wise. Like you said, you know, he came from a obviously a, a much higher level. I mean, how we got him, I, I really don't know. I've no idea how, how we got him because he shouldn't have been with us, if truth told. I'm glad he was, because like you say, not just that off the pitch, he was brilliant, he was great, you know. We, Fish saying there about, about you know the southern lads and everything and and I think in some clubs that could have been a bit of an issue you know a lot of northern lads and you know we were all a bit of a misfit as well we'd been either released or, or you know not quite caught at the clubs we'd been at and Dale just kind of knitted everybody together you know off the field and, and he was a massive part in that as well and like I say I, I, in fact I think in fairness Fish I think it was, it was you sort of letting me know wasn't it and um, like devastating absolutely devastating yeah he, he, he was, as a player, he would be happy to receive the ball when other people didn't want it. You know, he'd never hide. He, he was never flustered. He could spray the ball left and right with either foot. He wasn't blessed with pace, but his brain would get him out of so much trouble. He was, he was a move ahead of people. And... Um, I mean, again, I've, I've known him for years. Like, you know, Dario would have known him at Chelsea. And uh, when we came back after our uh, crew careers had finished, we went off to uh, Crawley. We went to Crawley Town together and he played there. But again, he was, um, he was such a character, such a, uh, a, a funny, daft, you know, he was daft as a brush, but, and his laugh. Yeah, great laugh, funny. not Yeah. He, he, <laughs> What is it, that Muttley character off of, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, he, he used Don't to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> and he used to laugh at his own jokes as well. He used to love it, but such a sad loss and a, 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 a great lad and a great player. And I think um, just, just to round off, um, towards the end of the season, um, I think, uh, Wayne, this, this was your last season at Crew, wasn't it? I think you uh, you released after this. Where, where was next for you? Yeah, well, that's right. Dario sat me down and said, basically said that he wanted me to stay, but I, won't, I wouldn't play that much because Rob was coming through at that point, Rob Jones, and, and, you know, I knew Rob was going to kick on and, and, and push in the side and, you know, he gave me the option to stay in, but I'd got a chance to move on. I, I, I was getting married that summer and um, just felt I needed a bit more security, so I moved on. I went to, went to Rochdale, two good years at Rochdale, enjoyed it. Um, but, you know, I, I grew like Fish said, you know, that, that season for me was, was you know, unforgettable really and, and it's like anything in football you kind of all move on you mill around 
it, like now we've not seen each other in years if, if you're bumping at people and you do every now and again you just click back into it because you've got that bond of what you've been through the whole season and um, crew at that time you know and, and, and I know over the years w- was a really good club to be at I think it was I, I get a bit annoyed sometimes actually because pe- people seem to sort of they sort of forget about what happened that season and that that you know we, we got promoted for the first time in God knows how many years for crew for crew's you know history and they've been absolute rock bottom for years and so I would say well without without Dario's vision then of what he wanted to do and what you see now with the academy that happened and everything without that on the football side of things and that team getting promoted I'm not sure what would have followed um because that that started it all and um it was a great season it was a great time to be there great teammates great football just just a really enjoyable nine ten months out of my life and, and Fish, you uh, you stayed for the next season. I think you went part way through the next season, didn't you? I don't think things really got going for you in the league above. Is that right? Um, no, you're right. Yeah, they didn't really. Um, I'm not great at um, remembering why or what, how I left. I, I don't remember. I really don't remember. But it was halfway through that following season. Um, and I came back down south and went to Crawley Town, I think. And Aaron, you um, you stayed till 1991, um, yeah. played a few seasons in the division above, um, and then eventually, where, where did you move on to? Uh, I went to Preston for, I went up to Preston sign for two years, two and a half years. Uh, I was, I was mumbling between Rotherham and Preston, and one of the only reason I went was because I don't think he valued, uh, I was looking for a pay rise, I don't think I'd had one in a couple of years. I was trying to get an extra few bob out of them and the lads will tell you it was it was impossible. <laughs> so uh, I, I think Preston put a good deal on the table for me at the time and you know we were looking for a bit of security as well. Um, and uh, I ended up going up there for two years and then came back to came back to Ireland, played for a couple of top clubs in the, in Belfast and in Dublin and played in European uh, tournaments with them and, and I think I ended up retiring at 39. Played, uh, finished after a cup final, an Irish cup final here with Dundalk, and um, just hungry dudes for 39. So we got a good innings in the end. Um, Aaron, I think the story you just said there about pay rises is anyone that we've had on this podcast that played under Dario has told us the exact same story. That uh, yeah, it was. This is what I'm offering you. You can take it or you can't. It's yeah. up to you. Yeah, and that was it. I didn't take it. Um, I, I thought at that stage, I'd, you know, done four years and, and I'd skipped the club. Uh, and also done a lot of work in, in the academy with him as well, because at that stage we were, yeah. when you were doing your pro license, you were you, you were looking to get coaching errors up, and you know started doing a few sessions. So I just felt a little bit undervalued at that stage. And when a club comes in and offers you a few more pounds, it was you know it was a big decision in one way because I was still living in the area and I liked the area and I loved living where I lived. Um, and you know travelled. I never moved to Preston. I travelled up and down. And my wife was working in the area, so. Uh, it was a wrench at the time I had to leave, but uh, you know, it was just I, I thought it was calling his bluff and he was calling mine, and in the end, we sort of parted. Um, it feels like we're getting to the end, so Aaron, I think it would be uh wrong if we went to the end of this podcast without mentioning we have someone who contributes to our podcast called Aaron. Uh, he's on you know, he's one of our panelists, and he did want to let me know that he is called Aaron because his dad was a big crew fan and he is named after you apparently. So I don't know whether you've ever experienced anything like that before, but there is one Aaron named after you. I think I was trying to, I think my daughter asked me that one, you know, a couple of years back saying, I must be the oldest Aaron she's ever heard of. 
particularly over here in Ireland anyway, though, and there's not too many older than me. In fact, I haven't seen or heard of any Aaron's who are older than me, but I, I, I must have owed that lad. I'll have to get that lad a, a point the next time I'm over. No, no doubt about it. I think you'd make it, well, you'd definitely make his dad a happy guy if that happened yeah. by the sound of it. Loved it. You said you haven't seen each other for a while. I mean, do you keep in touch with any of that promotion winning season? You know, have you got any mates that you're on Facebook with or whatever? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I still speak to Chris Cutler, obviously Fish now, and we got a little bit of a, a little group got together uh, on, on what was it? I don't know if it was on Facebook or whatever. So I still speak to Chris quite a lot. I bumped up him a few times in Manchester. And then, you know, lads from previous, so still a big pals with Jeff Thomas. So I saw Jeff last year. Um, I'm trying to make up with Pembo in the next uh, couple of months or so. But it's it's a funny one. You, it's like saying, they'll tell you, you, you play a lot of football. Fish have friends from Wimbledon. I've got from Barnsley, from Rochdale. And you just, it's not that you don't mean to give it to us. It just doesn't happen. And then like things like this, it's it, it's great. And I, I, again, I go back to it. I, I, I had a conversation with somebody once and I said, I, I, I know there's been reunions and stuff going on at Crew. And I, I think for probably one or two reasons why, you know, that, that time's not always meant, uh, probably remembered fondly. But I think, I, I do think it's wrong that that, that particular squad has not been got back together as much as possible and, and invited down to a game. And I think it's something we should try and do. Well, yeah. hopefully this podcast we'll will help. We'll, we'll see what we can do with our, you know, our, our tiny reach within the club. Well, I, can, I still think I could do a job for Dario. <laughs> <laughs> He'd definitely not pay you the money now, though. <laughs> <laughs> Really gardening. <laughs> yeah. golf, golf fish, a bit of golf. <laughs> okay, so thank you all for giving us your time and coming on today. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure to just sit back and listen to the, all of the stories you guys had there from the late 80s season. Thank you. Welcome. Pleasure. Pleasure, yeah. Uh, Dave and Steve, thank you. That was by some distance the easiest pod that I've ever had to done. We are going to be back in a week's time when we'll be interviewing the Crew Alex chairman, Charles Grant, which, considering this podcast is about a year old, I mean, that's baffling to me that we've managed to convince him to come on. Uh, so until then, I think what we'll do today is we'll leave you with the Crew Alex 1988-89 squad singing Standing Together. <laughs> until then, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>